Hey everyone, and a very warm welcome to another edition of the Cricket Yorkshire podcast. I'm your host, John Fuller, and this time we're going to look at umpiring. In particular, my guest on the podcast is Jane Pratt. Now, she's an umpire in the Premier League in Yorkshire, so Premier League North, and also in the Air Wharf in West Yorkshire. So we're going to have a chat about her pathway into cricket, her umpiring journey so far, uh, and yeah, just discuss what it's like to be out in the middle umpiring uh, what is a, a pretty high standard of club cricket. So sit back, enjoy this episode. You might be in the car on the way to work, doing your shopping, maybe at home and chilling out and listening to some cricket on the podcast. Wherever you are, you're really welcome and I hope you enjoy it. I think as a, a starter question, yeah, could you give me a flavour of... Um, your background in cricket, how you got into cricket in the first place, and uh, I know you have that link with Menston Cricket Club. Yes, I suppose my original link is to Hewith Cricket Club, which was where one of my grandfathers played and where we used to go and watch when I was a very small child. Um, My father also played in the York area when he was at home. Um, He then, we then moved to Knaresborough as a family and he played for Knaresborough until 1965 and then when uh, Nesbra moved down to their Aspen Lane ground he stopped playing cricket because he was spending a lot of time doing school sport Um, so that's really my first experience of scoring was at Nesbra cricket ground um, which was how I got into it we played a bit of cricket at school yeah uh, but not a great deal I was at King James in Nesbra and then so I have been interested in cricket all my life. I was one of those, um, what would you call it, anoraks who used to <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> take a scorebook to Headingley and sit and score the matches at Headingley. Oh, doesn't um, everyone do that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that again, and that was throughout my sort of, my sort of teenage years. Um, similarly, at when I went to university, we played a bit of cricket. Um, Then coming back into West Yorkshire, I was teaching at Guiseley School and again had associations with Guiseley Cricket Club through school and staff teams used to play. Uh, I then transferred to Full Neck with its notable alumni, um, where again cricket was on the agenda and that was really where I started umpiring rather than scoring. Um, The scoring that I'd done for Menston Cricket Club, because my husband played for Menston um, from being mm, 12 years old, 11 years old. So right through the juniors and through senior cricket, he never played anywhere else. Okay. But I started scoring for Menston um, at one point, scoring the uh, Waddle of Cup final one year, right. and then decided that I would, having been shouted at by an umpire from the middle, thought, oh, maybe I can give that a go, and was encouraged to do so by various people in the Air Wharf League and gave it a go. That's brilliant. And um, in terms of training then, um, how did that work? I, I, I assume I've, I haven't used it, but I've got a cricket coaching qualification from years back and it's it keeps changing, but essentially it's kind of, you know, levels one, two and whatever. Is it the same in umpiring? You'll sort of start with level one and go up or something else? You, you do. I was um, qualified under the old system, which yeah. was... Um, level one you took you did some assessments on field but you also took a written exam level two you took a longer written exam 
level three, you took an even longer written exam and you had an oral assessment, um, which for which I had to go to Hanging Heaton, I think, in order okay. to take this oral examination. Um, so you were assessed on your knowledge of the laws, but the practical, the written examination really tested your skills of interpretation. Yeah. But that was also associated with on-field assessments. It's, I think there's far more on-field training and guidance given now than there was when I first started. Right. It was more a case of learn the laws, try and apply the laws. Um, we did have uh, training schedules through the Air Wharf and Roberts led a couple of those that I went to. And um, that was really great during the winter just to sit and discuss cricket more than anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and learning, guess, learning from those who've been doing it for a long time. That's often one of the best ways of learning and learning from those around you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, and there's no substitute for, I suppose, being out in the middle and then mm. support, like, I suppose, learning to drive or something like that, where you don't know until it's happened to you, or you've come across a certain situation. Mm. Um, and then you think, right, how did I deal with that or not? Um, yes. yes. So, so in terms of your umpiring now, then, where do you umpire? Um, and then obviously we'll, we'll discuss a bit more, I guess, around the, the Crowther Cup. Um, I currently um, umpire in the Air Wharf Senior League. Okay. I umpire in the Yorkshire Premier League, primarily the North Division, but I could be appointed to the South Division, but I, I do the North. Um, the split is because the North start at 12 o'clock and when I'm at school teaching, that takes the whole of Saturday out, which sure. is a long time. Whereas in the Air Wharf, I'm, I'm less likely to be travelling the distances yeah. and it gives me a slightly longer Saturday morning. Um, so I still do Sundays in the Air Wharf um, and do Saturdays in the Yorkshire Prem. Uh, I did the Shrewsbury Regional Academies development um, fixtures this summer, which was a, which was uh, a three-day inter-academy festival for girls. Right. And I'm next week doing two T20s in the Charlotte Edwards Cup, one in Northumberland and one in Worcester. Wow. So, yeah, very different standards and yeah. plenty of geography covered. Yeah. Um, what do you... Yeah. I always ask... I've, interviewed loads of umpires across Yorkshire and over the years I always ask this but umpires always tell me when I ask them why did you get into it it's kind of the best seat in the house is the classic line and you might yeah. be about to, to agree with that but yeah um yeah you know just your next game what are you most looking forward to and, and why do you love umpiring right well I've got Woodhouse Grange against uh Stamford Bridge I think on okay. Saturday in YPL um I've been to Woodhouse Grange a few times now. It will be very pleasant to see familiar faces. Yeah, they, it's a it's a good standard of cricket. It is. Uh, it's uh, you don't know what you're ex what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, you're you're always learning. You're always observing, and something different could happen that you've never encountered before, as you said previously. Yeah, but it's part of being a community, and you're in it all together. Uh, my intention on Saturday is to give the best that I can do yeah. and hope that the players basically, to some extent, don't notice me. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, it's funny yeah. you say that. I, I've heard that before in interviews that, and, and it makes sense. You, you, you know, if everything's going to plan, the game is unfolding and you're just giving your decisions and mm -hmm. helping things tick along and um, 
yeah, you're not really having a massive impact in a, in a good way, I suppose. I think there's, there's a difference between having an impact and being a presence. Yes. You would hope to be a presence for what everything that cricket stands for, but you don't want to be interfering in what actually is um, recreational sport. Yeah. Uh, however, however seriously that is taken, which it is, um, you certainly don't want to be, you're not the dominant person on the field. The yeah. dominant person on the field should be the bowler, should be the batsman, should be the players. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. And I'm just curious because um, I have, I suppose, seen a bit more in well, talking to people, getting emails and seeing stuff on social media around uh, player conduct this year. And this always raises its head and I've got no kind of stats to say it's ultimately getting a lot worse or better. And it will vary league to league, Saturday to Saturday or whatever. But um, how, what's your approach in, in, in the middle in terms of umpiring if, um, as you say, you, you're playing at, um, umpiring at a Premier League level, so very good cricketers, and I've seen things get, um, I would say, unacceptable, but everyone has an interpretation of that. So, yeah, how do you manage that kind of behaviour? Uh, I think at the toss, you set out your expectations sure. um, and you set them out very clearly that... Um, you will give warnings, but if those warnings are not adhered to, then you will act. Um, one of the worst things is that a player gets away with something one week that is then picked up the following week and they say, well, I did it last week and nobody said anything. Yeah. At least if that's what's, it's the same issue. I'm a teacher. It's the same issue in schools. If you don't have consistency, that's when you often get difficulties. But it is that presence again Um Yes, yes, situations get heated. Yes, players want to win. Yes, there is competition. But it doesn't mean you have to behave badly or against the spirit of cricket in order to um, perform to the best of your ability. And it's it's often the look or the quiet word or the stepping in before something becomes too heated that solves the problem. You, You don't respond to confrontation with confrontation. No, that's a really interesting point. I've played, I don't anymore, but I've played cricket for, what, 25 years in different counties. And the umpires, I remember that um, as an opening bowler, I was always trying to get friendly with the umpire because I thought ultimately they're given decisions. So it never made any sense to get across with an umpire. Um, but the best ones are exactly those, those that um, they're not just applying the laws that it's almost they are reading the situation on the ground mm-hmm. uh, and as you say diffusing something before it gets to a point where it's going to bubble over um, mm-hmm. and there's a skill it's, in that it's, it's people management yeah it's, it, it's genuinely understanding where people are coming from and trying to see things from their point of view as well as your point of view um, and maybe my background as a teacher helps that you know, I do have what people call a teacher look and go, don't look at me like that. So so maybe that works as well. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. I, I can imagine that. Um, uh, yes. Well, I mean... Um, well, but it's establishing rapport as well. Yeah. And it's establishing rapport with people who... What, one of the dangers of remaining in a relatively close-knit league like the Air Wharf is that you're memories of previous matches tend to follow you even if I can't remember them players can remember them 
Um, whereas encountering new teams, different grounds, different players means that you are having to establish that rapport every single time. Um, and I think that really helps. Otherwise, you, there is a tendency for some to become complacent, I would feel. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, And, and sometimes conflict, which has happened in a previous match, gets carried forward or somebody's spoken about somebody going, oh, we don't like the way they behave. So you're almost... So some colleagues might be on the lookout for that bad behaviour yeah. rather than accepting things as they are at the word go yeah, and just making a, a decent game of it, really. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. No, that's interesting. Um, well, let's move on, I suppose, to um, a part of the reason we're sort of having a chat today for the podcast, which is uh, you and um, Joanne um, mm-hmm. are umpiring the Crowther Cup, which if someone listening to this doesn't know, uh, I believe is sort of second team cricket teams uh, in the heavy woolen cup. So mm-hmm. good standard of cricket. Um, yes. But what is unusual is you and Joanne Ibbotson um, are umpiring together. So my very anecdotal, I suppose, observation of watching all standards of cricket for decades is there aren't many female umpires full stop. And I don't have, again, I don't have the stats to back that up. So someone may be able to counter this, but just through seeing lots of cricket um, and certainly not in men's cricket. So it is unusual for um, two women to be umpiring in men's cricket in a final. Um, It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. anything really. um, and, And when I was told and got the email you know, part of me just thought, well, that's great. Uh, and it's, but should I write about it? Because frankly, you know, <clears throat> they're qualified. So who cares? But that's me um, probably not looking at it from all angles. So um, what's your take on that, I suppose? Do you think it, I'm curious as to, to know why you think there aren't perhaps more women umpiring in men's cricket? Uh, I think, in my situation, I, I found it relatively straightforward to start umpiring because I was encouraged to do so. Yeah. I think there is still, or there was certainly when I started, which is a lot longer ago than Joe started, um, there, there simply weren't the opportunities in women's cricket for women to start umpiring. And I think there's that level of confidence, perhaps, that you yeah. need to start where you feel comfortable. I did an awful lot of junior cricket um my son played my daughter plays um and therefore I did a lot of umpiring at various age group levels to start with both girls cricket and boys cricket and gradually worked the way through but it seems as though it's a long day you've got to be committed to it um you've got to put in the time and have the interest in the first place I would hope that as women's cricket is developing as it is in this country now, you will see more female umpires coming through. Yeah. But the bottom line is, I'm an umpire. I just happen to be female. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, and there shouldn't be any difference at all. Uh, the opportunity to do the Crowther Cup was through Paul McFarlane, who had identified that Joanne and I were, were progressing. And therefore thought this, you know, for the for the oldest club cup competition in the world, apparently, this would be a, 
a good thing to do to raise the profile of women's umpiring yeah. across the county and across the country. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so in terms of the, I suppose, the standard of cricket, I would imagine it's on a par with what you're currently doing. Is that right? Because if you're in... I would, yeah, I would have thought yeah. so. Yeah, I would have I mean, thought so, yes. Because um, you're doing Yorkshire Premier League North and South. Yeah. You know, that's um, the, that calibre of team would be in the heavy woolen cup first team. So, yes, you know, yeah, I would have thought so. Um, mm. Is this the, I haven't asked you actually, is that the highest standard you've umpired at? So you're kind of at Premier Premier League level. Have you, um, when some people... I've done Women's County oh, right. and as I say, the Charlotte Edwards Trophy Charlotte Horse, next yeah, week yeah. is, is I, I can't remember what category it's called, but it's that's seen as a fairly high category. Um, is that something that kind of interests you, motivates you in terms of progressing up further or not? I struggle a bit with imposter syndrome in that I never feel I'm good enough to do what I'm doing, let alone be pushed further to do what I'm doing. But yeah. uh, yes, if somebody thinks I'm good enough, then I'll take up the challenge and I'll I'll give it a go. Yeah. Uh, certainly going into the Premier League last season in order to develop my own umpiring skills was really, really good for me. And I very much appreciated it. And all those in the Yorkshire Premier who've supported that, yeah. I'm really grateful to them because that has just seen different situations, different scenarios, and perhaps um, quicker action yeah. on, on the field of play than I've seen before. We have some very, very strong players in the air wharf, but consistently you get more of them in the YPL. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I suppose talking about imposter syndrome, I, I know what you mean from a kind of writer's point of view. I have a similar <laughs> thing going on from time to time. Um, but I mean, you're already umpiring at a very good level of cricket. So I suppose from here, you would naturally, without knowing the exact pathway, be doing, um, I suppose, the heavy woolen cup final and things like that. And then um, onto minor counties or or county stuff. I don't know. but mm-hmm. um, uh, I, would, I would hope so. That one, one issue for me is that I work full time and yeah. therefore I can't, I can't do midweek fixtures. Yeah. Okay. Um, and some of the women and girls fixtures are at are not quite at the same standard or not anywhere near the same standard as some of the men's fixtures that I'm doing. So there's that that I'm torn between do I put my time and energy into the women's game yeah. or do I focus my umpiring on progression using the men's game? It's it's the ECB who have said they want to see female umpires progressing through female cricket. Okay. Um, and that's been a bit of a, I have had that discussion with the ECB as to why that isn't necessarily as feasible in the north as it is in the south of the country, yeah. where there is much more women's cricket. Yeah, really good point that. And um, <clears throat> I suppose it's very easy for a governing body to have a strategy nationally, um, mm. but how that plays out on the ground and, and frankly, how mm. that plays out for each person umpiring and what they choose to do is um well <laughs> personal choice you're the one yes. giving up your yeah. Saturday Sunday or whatever so yes um yeah so um well I suppose but, but again every, yeah. every cricket match is important for the people playing in it they yeah. deserve the best umpires who are available to umpire because that's how you improve the general standard of cricket have you 
uh, I suppose, any plans in future for your umpiring? If, are there any courses you need to take or want to take? Or is it purely just getting games in and um, hopefully progressing as and when time yeah, allows? It's, it's now being, being mentored at higher level games, um, having observations and feedback on those observations at the end of games and reflecting on them and putting those into practice. So yes, even last Saturday, um, my my game and a colleague's game in the YPL was cancelled. So we did a second team game in the Air Wharf, but he kept giving me targets sort of every 20 overs, right, for the next 20 overs, this is what you're going to be doing. And that is really, really helpful in terms of on-field practice. I guess to end on, it'd be interesting to, if you were um, offering some advice to someone going into umpiring, um, what would that be if you know if you kind of look back on your own path and where you started um what yeah what advice would you give someone get involved locally with youngsters um even if what you start off by doing is standing at the end of uh, a net session and observing what a bowler's doing what a batter's doing do that first then take that out into the middle but do it because you enjoy it and because you want to do it um, it's it's as I say it's very time consuming during the matches um, but it's interesting how you then find yourself watching other people doing it so all the advice that you're given then you watch an umpire on television you're thinking well they're not doing what I've been told to do so it's developing that awareness of how things are happening and the best place to start is with juniors um, even with softball cricket because you learn so much from the way in which they play and the way they develop. Mm-hmm.